This is Geeks Unleashed, episode 43. Well, look at Tom Cruise's mummy films. I mean, right. well. And they're going f***ing nowhere. Oh, yeah. that's, that's exactly the problem, yeah. right? Like, Hello. Welcome to Geeks Unleashed, episode 43. I'm Mark. And I'm Jasmine. And unfortunately, we're not joined by Stephen this week, as we promised last week, but he will be back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, how dare Stephen? He actually had other things to do. It's very disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening to this, Stephen, how dare you? Yeah, how <laughs> dare you? <laughs> anyway, each week we cover the news of the week and we pick a couple of things to review that caught our fancy in TVs, uh, comics, movies and games. And this week's review is Zack Snyder's Justice League movie. All four hours of it. Uh, and spoiler warning, this is a review show. So if you have not had a chance to watch the Snyder Cut version of Justice League, you might want to pause this and come back. And then at the very end of the episode, we'll give you a couple of recommendations of our own. Kicking off this week's news, we have some cancellations for you. Unfortunate. New, yeah. dun, dun, dun. New Gods <laughs> and The Trench are both been canceled by Warner Brothers. Uh, so that's Ava DuVernay's New Gods movie. And James Wan's The Trench. They are not moving forward at Warner Brothers. So The Trench was actually a spin-off from the Aquaman movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember The Trench had a brief uh, moment in the film and was a Jeff Johns uh, comic from a few years ago in the Jeff, uh, in the Aquaman comics, which I actually did read. I thought it was quite cool. So Very unfortunate because I was definitely looking to Ava DuVernay's version of uh, Big Berta. <laughs> Big Berta and Miracle Man. Like, I really wanted to see that. I want to see what the trench was going to look like. I'm disappointed about that. So I've never been into like DC's new gods, to be honest. They're not something that ever really appealed to me, but um, yeah, disappointing news. I think I'm more into it at this point after having watched the Snyder cut, because they kept making references to the old gods in Mm. the Snyder cut. So it would have been really interesting to see what the new gods bring to the table. I think, do you know what? Like had DC, been brave and started to go down the uh, i mean they might do it but start to go down the the space route you know they, yeah, could, yeah. Have ha- they could have had green lantern lobo the new don't gods. get me started on the space route mark i have so many comments about the space branch of dc related as related to the snyderverse that i definitely want to talk about later they could have had yeah they could have had a really good setup i mean so i wasn't I'm no, i've never been interested in the new gods as comics mm-hmm. but yeah like you say watching this movie has an appeal to seeing more of what else is going on out there um anyway it's cancelled, so <laughs> which is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so our next bit of news, bit of reality: uh, the MLB Major League Baseball has pulled the All Star Game and the draft out of the state of Georgia. No new place has been announced as of yet, but the MLB's reasoning was because of Georgia's new passage of their super restrictive voter rights laws. Um, Major League Baseball actually just started its season yesterday. Yesterday was opening day for several teams. A couple of games got canceled because of COVID-19. A few other games have were, were able to move forward. Uh, but basically Major League Baseball said that Georgia uh, had no right to do what they did and that their new laws are quite restrictive of being able to have voter access for everyone. And uh, the state of Georgia responded and said that (laughs) 
basically MLB has been corrupted by the liberal left and that they have fallen for the leftist lies about what's going on in the state of Georgia. So a lot of American politics at play there, but basically what it boils down to is MLB said, Georgia, you're in the wrong. And uh, so they pulled their event, which I think more people should do. That's a personal opinion, but you know, there you go. Yeah, no, I mean, everyone should have fair right to vote and no one should interfere with that yeah. obviously i'm in the uk so i didn't really understand a lot of it so i thought it was quite interesting to to, yeah. like, uh, to cover well they're the biggest so far so we'll see if anybody else happens as most people know there are a lot of big productions that happen in georgia including things like the walking dead and all of the marvel films so and e- even when marvel films aren't there the marvel tv shows are there so who knows what marvel is going to do my guess is probably nothing they're going to continue to stay in the state of georgia uh but uh we'll see yeah we'll have to wait and see what who else follows mlb mm-hmm. so, so moving on and back to dc so a new report has suggested that uh as part of dc's extended uh, universe, the, the multiverse, which is going to be covered in a potential Flash movie, that the Batman movie with Robert Pattinson is going to be set on Earth 2. Um, multiverse is going to be something that we will cover in the Flash, as we know that Ben Affleck's Batman is going to be in it, and potentially Michael Keaton's Batman will also be in there as well. So for fans that that may or may not know uh, earth two has been something that's been used quite predominantly on the cw's flash uh, television uh, show mm-hmm. earth two was originally introduced in the flash comic in issue 123 back in, all the way back in 1961 so it's quite nice that they dc have said that the batman is set on earth two so making it part of its overall linked set of movies um whether it sounds see... like a real cop out to me though to be honest like what what earth are we on now in this like DCEU film universe? Like what what earth are we on? Because Ezra Miller's version of Flash did appear in the CW Flash TV series uh, as a random cameo, but like what what earth is what earth is Grant Gustin's Barry Allen from versus what earth is Ezra Miller's Barry Allen from? Oh, I assume Grant Gustin's uh, Flash is probably meant to be Earth 1. So whether or not the movie, the movies are clearly never going to want to be Earth 3 or 4, are they? So you're going to have them, uh, maybe the movies and the TV show just won't say what Earth they're on because they'd be competing against each other. So uh, yeah, the only other thing is I don't want to see the TV show start using Earth 2 then and not have Robert Pattinson show up. So right. yeah. It's, it's all very interesting how this is all going to play out. Plus, we did see a very, very small snippet of multiverse stuff in uh, Batman versus Superman when Barry goes forward in time, back in time, yeah. and talks to Bruce Wayne and says that Lois Lane is the key. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Who knows? We'll see. And what, what earth is the Joker set on? Because that's not part of the DCU. I mean, it's all getting very confusing now. Yes, exactly. So, like, <laughs> there, there's too much going on. Yeah. Um, so again, other DC news. It's a big DC week. Uh, so their animated film, Batman, Long Halloween, has uh, an animated cast. It stars Jensen Ackles from Supernatural fame as Batman, which is going to make Supernatural fans completely insufferable because there is an episode of Supernatural where Dean Winchester says that he is, in fact, 
Batman. <laughs> um, uh, also, unfortunately, the the film stars the late Naya Rivera uh, of Glee fame, who passed away last year in July. She uh, unfortunately she drowned when she was taking her son out to a lake in California. Um, so the Batman, the long Halloween is going to be coming out sometime this year. And again, animated DC animation is far and above as far as I'm concerned personally, uh, with, uh, their, their film universe, their live action universe. So DC animation it, to me does it a lot better than DC live action does. So I'm very much looking forward to the long Halloween. We'll see how that turns out. So that wraps up this week's news. And moving right along, our entire episode this week is dedicated to the four-plus-hour Snyder Cut version of the Justice League. So this review covers the Justice League, directed by Zack Snyder. Uh, it is produced by Deborah Snyder and Charles Robin. The writer is Chris Terrio. So in this film, we have... Ben Affleck as Batman, Henry Cavill comes back as Superman, Amy Adams as Lois Lane, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman slash Diana Prince, uh, Ray Fisher as Cyborg or Victor Stone, Jason Momoa as Aquaman, Arthur Curry, Ezra Miller as The Flash, Willem Dafoe as Volko, Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, Jeremy Irons as Alfred, Diane Lane as Martha Kent, Connie Nielsen as Queen Hippolyta, J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon, Steppenwolf is played by Sarian Hines, and Ryan Zhang plays Ryan Choi, who is also known as The Atom. So there's a lot going on here. The Snyder Cut was finally released to the public via HBO Max on March 18th, which also happened to be my birthday. Um, and the runtime is four hours and two minutes. And I will be the first to admit, I definitely had to take a break halfway through this film. Uh, I made myself lunch. There, there was a bathroom break at the same time. Uh, four hours is a long time to sit for a film. So, I equally split it into two. <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, how we're going to cover this week's review, we're not going to do like a recap. We've decided to break our review down into discussion points. Yep. So, we're going to, we've headed up each point. We'll just tell you the points as we're going along. And to start off with, just going to talk about the weed and cuts and sort of what our original thoughts were and why we did get a weed and cut in the first place. So just, just to start off with, obviously, the reason we got a Snyder cut was very sadly that or Zach's weed and cut rather yeah sorry sorry uh, that we got a weed and cut sorry i'm gonna hopefully probably not do that again um <laughs> try try and uh the, the original the original theatrical cut yeah um so so zach started it off unfortunately his daughter autumn snyder took her own life at the age of 20 and rightly so zach snyder uh, stepped away from the mm -hmm. movie to to support his wife and other children and and, you know, and equally support probably his own well-being i just would like to just take a moment to say if obviously anyone has thoughts or mental health problems or anyone who's maybe just got any concerns um i'm obviously not going to be able to cover them all off but the uk samaritans number is 116123 and the us samaritans is 1-800-273-talk but obviously if it's an emergency please just call emergency services so i just now we've got that out of the way though just it's important obviously yep. just to look after yourself especially you're not moment. alone yeah if, if um, anything is going on if you're having suicidal ideation suicidal thoughts anything like that pick up the phone and call someone yeah 
um, or a friend, whatever, just, just yeah. don't, you know, sit at home. Um, so what happened there was that Zach had his plan from Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, continuing into what would have been his Snyder car. Unfortunately, he had to step away. Whedon came in and what the studio, I think, were looking for because of maybe some negative reaction from Batman vs Superman. We're looking for a more Marvel-themed Justice League, and you can tell the differences, and we'll talk about the differences later, but the difference is we got a much lighter-hearted Whedon film, some sort yeah. of very, some, a lot more jokes were put in. There, there was Horse one, jokes. Yeah, yeah there, there was one particular joke where scene, which I actually didn't mind, where Aquaman was sitting on the bonnet, um, on the... The, oh the yeah, truth. the lasso of truth. Yeah, yeah the yeah. lasso of truth. <laughs> that I actually thought was really good. Like, yeah, that was I, I did, funny. And, and I did think that was handled really well. Yeah. And I, that was probably the one bit I wish Zack Snyder had somehow kept in, but I don't think he was going. He wasn't going to keep any weed and stuff in. So, um, what 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 was your original thoughts? So I don't know about you. I went to the cinema to see this in 2017 with a group of yep, friends. I remember too. going, and and when you went into the theatre, you probably had high expectations. I already had a view on this though before I went in. Um, so my view was that they were rushing. So I thought we've already met Batman and Superman and we've met a little bit of Wonder Woman. Right. And I was like, I know like every studio is different. And we, we talked about this a little bit before recording about, you know, Tom Cruise's mummy films that were hopefully going to kick off like a 10 movie franchise. And, and the studio just rammed in as much as they could into this movie and they overdid it and people hated the movie. So this was again. I, I when I went to the Justice League film, I was a bit like, "Why are they being so impatient? Why can't mm-hmm. they just give us, you know, like maybe even if they just gave us like a, you know, cyborg movie that had a cameo from the Flash in it, or you know, equally the other way round, or even if they didn't want to get them all out, could they not have done, you know, like we had Hawkeye cameo in in Thor, like and things like right. that. Like, why can't they just have done a little bit more mm-hmm. that that way? <clears throat> we probably wouldn't have had the problem that we did have. And essentially ended up with a four-hour movie um, because, <laughs> because a four-hour had... movie that is essentially a retcon uh, to to a certain extent. Of, yeah, this is what we gave you in theaters. However, this was our original vision, so we're yeah. sorry, but please take this four-hour film. Yeah, and enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, so I went to theaters, but go. What, what just what were your thoughts when you know what were your thoughts before you walked in and and then after you walked out. <sighs> My thoughts before I walked in was it makes zero sense to have a Justice League film with no Green Lantern. It makes no sense. I can understand how you might not have brought in the Martian Manhunter. I can understand not bringing in Hawkwoman or Hawkgirl. Or, uh, I can understand you not bringing in those kinds of characters. But to have a Justice League with no Green Lantern whatsoever, whether that Green Lantern is Hal Jordan or Jon Stewart, uh, it, it it didn't make any sense to me. And after having watched the Snyder Cut, that became far, far, far more apparent because when they go back in time and talk about the first time that either Steppenwolf or Darkseid had come to Earth, they actually have lanterns in the footage in that fight with, you know, with the Amazons, with the Atlanteans and with the humans. And yeah. it's like, how can you how can you say that the space races brought so much to this fight yet we never ever ever talk about the space races in any in, in any version of the film not so, not so in they, they version or in zach's version they, they mention um 
like there being no Kryptonians or lanterns, like in yes, both films. Like, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think I imagine they probably stayed away from the lanterns because one, we'd hardly had any character uh, development before this movie of the extra characters, you know, Aquaman, Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I can understand you not having a full Flash movie or a full Cyborg movie, but again, in my mind, it doesn't make sense that Justice League, A, came out before the first Wonder Woman film, and B, came out before you ever brought in a lantern that, yeah. since we're not including Ryan Reynolds' version of Hal Jordan in this universe, you should have had a lantern film and a Wonder Woman film released before you released Justice League, period. So, so taking away the Green Lantern film, you walked out, though. Did you enjoy the film? No, not at all. And I was embarrassed because I went with a friend who is, like, they humor me and they go to, like, the Marvel films with me when, yeah. when they kind of release. And I was like, I know you don't really like DC, but come with me to this film so that we can, you know, like, we can talk about it. And they were like, okay, fine, I'll go. And as soon as we walked out, the first words out of my mouth were like, I'm really sorry that I dragged you to this movie because <laughs> me, like I'm a fan. I can, I can fill in the gaps. I know, you know, I can kind of make assumptions and figure how to get from point A to point B. But as someone who is new to this universe, like I understand how, <clears throat> how you might not have made the connections that I made. So I like, I literally walked out of the theatrical version of this film, apologizing for the film itself. To be fair though, some things did happen in the Snyder cut that you still had to be a fan as well. Like, yes. so we'll cover yes. that, but, but um, no. So when I went, I went with a bunch of friends. I can't, I'll be honest with you now, it's obviously 2017. I can't remember how many of us, but I do remember two or three of the people that came with us. And we're people that always go and see, star wars or marvel films or whatever or to be honest actually there was a bunch of them that i went with to see 1917 so just mm-hmm. that was the last film i saw before at the cinema before uh, the world went nuts um so anyway uh i remember going to see it like i say disappointed that we were at this point so early i would mm-hmm. much rather have had the build-up but warner brothers and and disney marvel run their studios differently um and i think that's clear as we go along <laughs> as we left I was really disappointed that I didn't love it. I, I wouldn't, I didn't hate it. Like I didn't want, I didn't, you know, I didn't think it was the worst thing I'd ever seen. Right. But I was incredibly underwhelmed when I heard Whedon had got involved in, in the movie. Initially I was quite pleased because a lot of Whedon stuff that he's done, I've, I've enjoyed. Like, I, it's funny. Like, right. Yeah, like well, you yeah. think to yourself like, Oh, like I love serenity or, Oh, I loved, you know, well, pretty Buffy, much, yeah. Angel. Buffy, yeah. But Dollhouse, you know, there's a lot of his stuff. And that was that... the biggest problem. It's like you're working in, in those series, like when you're doing when that kind of stuff, the, that specific cast, they're catered to that dynamic. Mm. And the Justice League cast is, is not the same as your Firefly or Serenity or Buffy or Angel cast. They're not the same people. So mm. they don't, they don't, give like the same kind of performance so for joss to treat it the same way that he treated those properties to me watching these films back to back which is you know a a luxury i i will definitely concede that it's a luxury to be able to watch one and then immediately watch the other but like watching these films back to back nothing is more apparent to me than joss 
being used to working with a comedic cast and then being taken over this film with a non-comedic cast. Also, he'd come in on an already established tone. And yeah. Well, but that didn't matter that. to him because Snyder had finished about 70% of the film before Joss came on board. And Joss went back and reshot most of this film. Which leads me to believe that they should have just waited. Like, yeah. so. they, should, they should have pushed it back and let Wonder Woman come out first and then released Justice yeah. League after the first Wonder Woman film had yeah. come out. Which I think people would have been fine with. But anyway, draw a line under that part. So the reason why we got the Snyder Cut was because of a lot of the dissatisfaction from fans and right. critics. But the fans have been extremely vocal and there has been the well-known hashtag release the Snyder Cut. <laughs> release the Snyder so, Cut. Yeah, release the Snyder Cut has pretty much been everywhere. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't ever foresee that being released. I got to put my hands up and say it. I just didn't think, I thought that was a pipe dream. I just didn't at any point think Wonder, uh, Warner Brothers were going to ever release a side yeah. of I always assumed it was there because I assume that every original director has their own vision for a film. Um, but like you, like I never thought that Warner Brothers would actually give Zack Snyder the money and the time to redo a film that was released in theaters. So they gave him 70 million to go and finish his cut. And mm. I, I, my thoughts are the reason they went and did this is because of the HBO Max app. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that they wanted exclusive content over there uh, in America for that. Um, and apparently there's, you know, the HBO Max app has seen really high numbers because, yeah. because of this movie. So it says a lot. <laughs> Um, I also think it 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 shows the dedication the, the the people who are actually fans of this multiverse expect better um and because they expect better they they showed DC that what they were given was unacceptable uh, and I think that is just kind of part of why we got why we finally got the Snyder cut is. Basically, the fans were like, hey, we know that you did the best with what you could for the situation at hand. However, uh, this is not indicative of, of what we think that this film should have been. So do better. And so I, I feel like the Snyder cut is DC's response to fans literally telling them to do better. Yeah, I, mean, I think Warner Brothers from the I think Warner Brothers saw what Marvel was doing, thought we want some of this. Oh, we want it now. Like, okay, but see, the problem with that, and, and this is what I don't understand, what I have never, ever understood about DC. DC is phenomenal when it comes to their TV branch, when it comes to their animation branch, when it comes to that, that arm of their properties. They're great. They are so much better at the TV version of their, of their shows than Marvel is that it's, it's, it's beyond me. And, and I don't understand why the TV folks and the movie folks aren't actually talking to each other to actually make collaborations. Like, why don't you guys communicate? I mean, I get it. I get that we've had, but like DC animation has been killing it since 1992 when Batman the Animated Series premiered. So from 1992 until now, I mean, we're talking 30 years pretty much of 
animation domination. And I just, it just makes no sense to me how your animation branch can be like A tier while your live action branch is like E F G H tier. Like how, how, how is there such a discrepancy between the animation and the live action? Yeah. Well, I think it comes back to, again, to summary there that the fans got this movie to be honest, without the fan demand, we wouldn't mm-hmm. have got this movie. Right, right, And we right. wouldn't be sitting here right now talking about it. So we're going to now move on to the differences. Yeah. So some of the biggest differences, uh, first of all, the, the most glaring, in my opinion, the most glaring difference between these two films is the Snyder Cut was released in a four to three ratio, which is ridiculous ridiculous given this day and age with everybody having widescreen 16 to 9 ratio televisions um and i i get it i get it maybe your 4-3 ratio was originally meant for imax however this film was released during a pandemic where people are not going to movie theaters so i feel like on the one hand Yes, I get you're trying to get your vision across, but on the other hand, um, you need to meet people where they are. Uh, and in this day and age in 2021, nobody has a 4-3 ratio TV anymore. Nobody. Not a single person has a 4-3 ratio TV anymore. So it just makes no sense to release the film in that format. Uh, that was very, very hard to adjust. It probably took me about 30 minutes to adjust to having those little black lines on the left and right side of the screen while I was watching the film. I hate it whenever I go on to like Netflix or wherever it is and watch something or I go. Yeah. Anything that's not in HD, basically it's like, that's how you can tell how old something is because it's in a four, three ratio versus a 69 ratio. Like even when my kids have come in the room, they're like, well, those black borders on the side yeah. of the TV. I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's how TV <laughs> used to be. But, so the thing is, with that, the screen ratio, I agree with you. When I first put that on, I was like, is there something wrong? Like, right. so it was a bit like, and then I don't know if you knew this, but they also released a black and white version called Justice yes, is Grey. Which I have not watched. I no, plan no, to no, watch, no. but I haven't. So what, so what I thought was, they okay, they've released a 4-3 ratio. They've mm-hmm. released a black and white version. Why could they just have not released a widescreen version and maybe had like three versions of it? Because right. I, I would much rather have watched this in widescreen. Me like, too. I'll be honest. A, Me too. A, a lot of it is apparently the reason behind his vision of the 4-3 the ratio is because you can get more on the screen. Yes, um, and I understand that because if you're going to release something into IMAX, you're going to release IMAX versions in a 4-3 ratio versus the 16-9 ratio. I get that. I completely get that. But during a pandemic, nobody is going to an IMAX theater to watch this in a 4-3 format in the first place. So if this, if this Snyder Cut had come out in 2019, sure. You release it in a 4.3 IMAX version. That's perfectly fine. But, and, and even if you went to a movie theater and you saw this in a 4.3 ratio. Now, I worked at a movie theater. The way that movie theaters work is if a film is in widescreen, the curtains on either side of the, either left or right of the screen or at the top and the bottom of the screen, they adjust when the movie starts. So whether or not you're watching a full screen version or a widescreen version, the curtains inside the theater are going to adjust so that you don't see the edges the way that we did watching from our TVs at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that they should have accounted for that. And I, again, I understand like you're releasing this film. It's your, your version of the film that fans have been waiting on forever, but come on, like meet your audience halfway at the very least. Yeah. 
So just a couple of quick things. The uh, rating was different from the original. Yes, so there were some F-bombs not... that were completely unnecessary. I will concede that. Um, those well, did all, not need to be there in the Snyder there was, Cut. There, there was a lot more violence in this version as well. So the, yes. the Whedon version was released as a, a sort of a PG-13 in mm-hmm. America. I think it was a PG here, where over in the States are 18 over here. And... You can tell as you're watching this, there's a lot more violence in this. And when yeah. I, because I like you, I watch both versions, and there, there's certain scenes where sort of the Wonder Woman scene at the bank where they're showing up. So the the guys show up in the street, and you see them in the Whedon version turn around with the gun, but, but you don't you actually don't see, see them shoot anyone. Yeah, but in the Zack Zack uh, Snyder version, yeah. you do you see, see the, the guy, guy fall dead in the street. Yeah. yeah, and then you see him get dragged across the floor and the blood on the street. Yeah. So, so the, the Zack Snyder version is not a child-friendly movie. Oh, no, no, where, no. Because you see parademons get shot and then, like, brain matter explode. There's uh, a lot. Yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of violence in the Snyder version. And, and then, and then uh, so now we've covered the ratings, the length of the movies, the original is two hours long, whilst yes. the Snyder Cut is four hours long and split into six parts. Yes. So I think had this have probably been released originally, we wouldn't have got a four-hour movie. There's no it way. It would have been two I, films. I don't think, well, I think it, it would have been two, th- it would have, one or two things would have happened. We would have either split into two, Justice mm-hmm. League, part one and two, maybe yep. six months apart, or I think they would have edited Zach's version down for the theaters maybe into a three-hour movie and maybe when the dvds came out then released the the well they wouldn't have called it that they would have called it like the ultimate edition a bit yeah like the director's cut yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah so they, and they, you would have got this four-hour movie but on dvd yeah. and they, you would have got the three-hour movie at the theaters and yeah. four hours but i will yeah. say this though i think four hours is entirely too long for a theatrical cut now and and that is entirely the audience's fault like over the past hundred years we have gotten used to films being between 90 and 120 minutes that's pretty standard for like uh you know a half an hour and a half to two hour film like that's that's the norm nobody wants to go to the theater for four hours nobody uh and i think that is the reason that we have editors. That is the reason that you pay editors the money that you pay editors is because it's their job to take your story that is four hours long and condense it into something that is actually consumable. Um, so while I did enjoy this, this Snyder Cut, four hours is entirely too long for a theatrical film. Entirely too long. I think I think the the big the, sorry the longer length movies are reserved for. I guess what, I don't want to say that a movie is not special because it's not you know because it's not not more than two hours long but they're kind of reserved for your big big event movies like yeah, the yeah. Hobbit like the Hobbit the Lord of the Rings you mm-hmm. know like uh, I know it wasn't uh, I think it might have been released at theaters had a limited release but the Irishman three and a half hours long like you know they they are are released for your big name directors and mm-hmm. yeah the why I consider I guess probably some Oscar type movies in there that those kind kind of event movies or they do like what Avengers did and the Hunger Games done they they were and even um, the last Harry Potter they break them into two exactly uh, so yeah you know, as much as I dislike oh, Twilight, yeah, Twilight, Twilight yeah, they did yeah. the same thing 
Yeah, so I, obviously we don't know what would have happened. Like right. we're, we're surmising here. It would have been. But the uh, thing is, though, like you said, with Harry Potter, with Twilight, with the Hunger Games, it's possible. It is possible mm. to take one singular thing, which in those cases, it was all a book, a final book. And you take that final book and you split it into two films. Mm-hmm. Nobody bitches about it. Nobody complains. People do it because you release them six months apart. They come out in the same year, generally, because you're usually going to do a summer release and then a Christmas release. So if they're coming out in the same year, they're only coming out six months apart. It's, it's really no big deal. Plus, the studio benefits because you're doubling your profit. Mm-hmm. So... I think a lot of the length, though, was the fact that Snyder put in much longer uh, action scenes. So yeah. in a lot of the in the big action sequences, where you know you've got the Justice League fighting Steppenwolf throughout mm. the movie, and and even and then there's other bits where like the Flash is saving Iris, which we'll cover later. But each one of those scenes, there's a lot of slow motion used. Yes, which there's was, a lot of slow mo with the Snyder cut, which which could easily which and and it was heavily edited in the yeah. Whedon version. So they edited out a lot of that slow motion and even sequences where the Flash uh, was running and saved Wonder Woman, where he, he got, managed to get her the sword. And in the Whedon version, he tripped over, and they added in comedy and things like that. Yep. Um, a lot of that thing, a lot of that type of stuff, was edited out of um, the Snyder version, but instead replaced with a lot of slow motion, which I, I didn't mind. I, had I didn't no mind it either. However, but when you're watching the Snyder cut, you can see like you know your film was already going to be twice as long as the original version. So, of course, you have this gratuitous room for all of the slow motion action. So there is a lot of stuff in the Snyder Cut that could have been cut down. Um, But, like, a lot of it is basically just kind of Zach taking his time to tell the story. So it's it's a lot of stuff that we see in the Snyder, in, in the, like, theatrical cut, in the Whedon version. But... You know, in in the Whedon version, maybe it takes two minutes. However, in Snyder version, it takes thirteen minutes. I know. When I was comparing like some of the scenes, we'll talk about Mira a bit later. But when Mira's fighting Snyder, it's it's literally Steppenwolf. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Sorry, Steppenwolf. uh, It's literally a blink and you'll miss it sequence. But but in the in the in the Snyder cut, it's like a ten minute sequence. Oh yeah, and and it's and it's violent and his yeah. conversation going and there's a bit yes, of character development because in Mira. the Whedon version Steppenwolf doesn't say a freaking word the entire time he's in Atlantis the entire yeah. time he's there he never opens his mouth and says anything so those are sort of some obvious uh, things there but I, the opening scene let's talk about that so in the original Whedon version we've got a mobile phone video of Superman and they're sort of asking him about earth and, and that kind of thing and it's i guess kids, it's, meant it's to, kids asking yeah, it, yeah 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 questions and it, i think it's meant to give you like an eerie feel of superman is gone and we uh, this version uh, is what i noticed this time like i guess i didn't i didn't have a frame of reference the first time i saw this film but like this time that i watched it whedon's movie is very heavily focused on superman and snyder's movie is not at all focused on superman like Superman is like a, a fourth or fifth level character in Snyder's version. Whereas in Whedon's version, Superman is the end all be all of the reasoning why the Justice League is operating the way that they yeah. are. And I, well, throughout the movie as well, it's quite obvious that Batman and Wonder Woman are the tentpole characters mm-hmm. of Whedon's film. Whilst in Zack Snyder's car, all of the characters, like they are given like uh, you know, a 
good amount of screen time and, yeah. and we'll cover we'll cover the characters that are a lot more fleshed out and even some characters that were just not even shown in, in Whedon's version to try and build like a, a much bigger Justice League movie and their their reasoning becoming you know to, to, to rescue Superman was brought together in a much more different way but anyway yeah so come back to the opening scene so we we start off with Superman the video it immediately jumps straight into the action Batman mm. is it, Bruce Wayne is in costume he's got one of these parademons and also he's trying to lure out a parademon he's got some bad guy a hanging burglar, off the roof much, yeah. yeah like and he and he's sort of saying you know uh, he's hanging him off because of fear and he said they're attracted to fear it seemed to me like warner brothers wanted to get like bruce in the suit pretty quickly versus in the snyder cut bruce wayne doesn't get into costume for almost two hours so yeah. he spends about two hours building the team which i was fine with like i was yeah. i was completely happy with that so um yeah so it's like, you know, it's a completely different start. And then after that, we go straight into Wonder Woman's bank scene, which is almost, again, rushed through. Whilst when we get the bank scene in uh, the Snyder Cut... Yeah, it, it's about it's a 20-minute sequence. I mean, it's it's lengthy. The the people who are robbing the... Well, not robbing the bank, but the, the terrorists in that scene actually have plenty of dialogue. Like, we meet the police officers that are involved in this whole sequence of trying to get you know, trying to talk these terrorists off the ledge, like there's so much more exposition. And again, when you have the liberty of no time limit on your version of the film, then of course you can keep all of these things in there. Um, and to be fair, watching these films back to back, I I don't think that there's much missed from the theatrical version versus the Snyder cut that that was that, just released. That, that scene, yeah. Right. Like we yeah. get we get the gist of it. You know, like we yeah. don't Wonder Woman doesn't have to make friends with these kids. Like Wonder Woman doesn't have to know their their life stories. Basically we understand that she's doing this because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's pretty much the gist of that whole scene. But like the thing is with the Snyderverse, again, he has all of this time. So he he takes his time. And so you get to see these these nice moments where after everything has happened, Wonder Woman is talking to the kids who are on this field trip that actually they get kidnapped. And she's kind of like, you know, are you OK? Is everybody fine? And then, you know, one girl is kind of like, oh, my God, can I be like you when I grow up? And Wonder Woman is like, well, you can be anything you want to be. I think uh, that's quite a nice moment. Though. Yeah, it's like, a great moment. But like. Is it necessary to the no, scene? No, no it's no, not. For the, no. Not for the audience, no, because we already know that that's the kind of person that Wonder Woman is. Like, we, we slight, know that about her. I'm pretty sure there's a slight difference as well when he says, I don't believe it, and in the Whedon's oh. version. Oh, yeah, yeah there's the, a difference, yeah. because he says, I don't believe it, and in the Whedon version, Wonder Woman says, believe it. But in the Snyder version, Wonder Woman says... No, no the other way around. No, the other way around. In the in the Whedon version, she said, well, I'm a believer. And in the, right. in the, and in the Snyder version, she said, well, believe it. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I was a bit like, why? What, why why the difference? Do, yeah, why? I don't get the difference. Yeah. Like, because it's it's so marginal. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't really get it. So anyway, so I just want to... So that's sort of that was the beginning of the Whedon film. And then... In the Zack Snyder version, our beginning of the movie pretty much overlaps Batman versus Superman. So yeah. we start with Superman dying uh, from Doomsday, stabbing him uh, with a chest or whatever, and he's completely screaming out in pain. But because it's Superman, his screams have got 
power to them right. and you see you see every single person that's there you see jesse eisenberg you see batman you see uh, wonder woman um you see doomsday collapsing and all this kind of stuff and then you just see the wave of his scream just tearing through the earth and as it does you get introduced to cyborg you can see the amazonians mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. and as 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 the wave is rippling through the earth you see it hitting all the mother boxes you know right. in, uh, atlantis and and it awakens those um yes and boxes. that i think is a huge huge difference because when the whedon film starts it's kind of like when we get to the Amazons in the Whedon film, they're already on edge because the mother box has been awoken and nobody knows why it has awoken. But in the Snyderverse, it's kind of like, we know exactly why. Because when Superman died, his voice carries across the earth, wakes up the mother boxes, and the mother boxes, which we learn in the Snyderverse, are pure evil. They're not this kind of all life-giving force. They're actually evil. Um and and so like when superman dies the mother boxes come you know they kind of come back to life and it's it's a totally different sequence because we see them wake up for the first time especially in themiscira we see that amazonian mother box wake up and the amazon's reaction to the box waking up for the first time versus in the whedon cut the theatrical cut it's kind of like by the time Hippolyta, who's played by Connie Nielsen, by the time Hippolyta gets to this area where the mother box is stored, all of the Amazons that are guarding it are already on edge because it has been awake for so long. And and they're like, well, we don't know what to do. Like, it's it's been awake for all this time, but nothing has happened. Whereas in the Snyderverse, you you realize that, and I think this was, this was one of the big differences that I noticed watching these films back to back. In the Snyderverse, because again, it's four hours. He has plenty of time to let the story play out the way that it's going to play out versus in the Whedon theatrical cut, it sort of just does a lot of exposition in the characters in the film telling you what is happening versus letting the actions of the film play out so that the audience can figure out what is happening. So in, in Joss Whedon's version, he is telling the audience this is happening and this is happening and this is happening versus in the Snyder cut, Zach is kind of like, I'm telling you this story. And if you can't follow it, then it's, then that's on you. It's not on me. So Zach kind of leaves it to the audience to fill in the blanks, which I appreciate it much more, but I understand why the theatrical cut works the way that it does, because you can't make a big budget film like this specifically for the fans you have to make a film like this that it's going to be broad enough that it pulls in people who are not obsessed with these characters the way that you know super fans are so i can i can see kind of a a both sides argument here but that was also one of the biggest biggest differences that i noticed just and again having the luxury of watching these films back to back watching the theatrical cut joss is kind of leading the audience step by step by step, scene by scene by scene. Whereas in the Snyder Cut, Zach is literally telling his story and whether or not you follow his story is a completely, like he doesn't care if you follow it or not. He is telling his version of this story. And if you keep up, great. And if you don't, well, tough shit. 
I think, yeah, like I said, the, the Snyder version versus the Whedon version, the Whedon version was a much quicker because they were trying to have yes. a two-hour movie. So that's right. why we were, didn't get the, the, the slower, yeah. sort of nicer moments. And actually of one of the nice moments talk about alfred so alfred got a lot more oh, screen man. time i love alfred's I, like, alfred. I love this version of a sassy alfred yeah yeah like he he got a lot more screen time mm. in this movie and there's one of the standout moments for me which made me laugh was in the snyder cut was him and wonder woman together and he's trying to show her how, yeah, to, make how tea. to make tea <laughs> like, and he's like fussing around her like no yeah. no 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 you put, you the, put water the water in first, in first. No, like, no, no, you've already put enough tea leaves in it's fine just like, leave it and i was like I don't make tea like that. I put the tea bag in first. <laughs> like, I put the t- I, like, well, I, she I, wasn't using a tea bag, Mark. She was oh, using loosely yeah, yeah, tea. Yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know, which I've never <laughs> done. I'm, I'm not a fan of that. I have had that before. I'm, I would much rather I think tea bag. A tea bag, loose leaf water. only works if you're going to put it in one of those little capsules. Okay, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Contains that's, everything. Like, I don't yeah, that's want what we've done. Floating around so, in the water. Because I was thinking, well, yeah, like, yeah, I don't want the tea loose in the water. That's right, horrible. Right, like, yeah, I mean, I have had that before. We put it in the capsule and then you put it in the thing. Yeah. take the castle out like yeah just so you know englishman here i how how i how i make tea tea bag i do not have sugar tea bag hot water mm-hmm. take the tea bag out settles get the milk put it in stir it i'm done <laughs> right, so. i'm the opposite i i boil the water I, when the tea kettle starts whistling i turn the tea kettle off i put yeah. the tea bags in i pour them into a pitcher and then I pour another pitcher into, like, another thing of water into the pitcher. Oh, do you mean and like a, like I, a, uh, 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 not kettle, like a uh, pot, pot? You mean it's like a, like a teapot? Well, I take the water from the teapot after the tea bags have been in the teapot, and then I put it into a pitcher, and then I put it in the fridge, and then I drink the tea the next day. So oh. I have iced tea. I don't, oh. have, I don't drink hot tea. <laughs> oh, disgusting. <laughs> I don't like cold ice But I don't tea. put sugar or or milk or cream or anything no, in it. So I I'm literally not. just drink cold tea with nothing in it. No, I'm not an iced tea fan. No, no thanks. So, <laughs> but I'm not a fan. I don't get the people that put the milk in with the tea bag and then put the hot oh, water no, that's in. I'm weird. like, that's weird. I know, I'm like, what are you doing? Anyway, we've spent too long on this. But so Alfred, some nice scenes in there. I think he's like, like you say, he's a lot more sassy. Does yes. But there's some good moments in there, and I think I enjoyed it. There's a few scenes between Alfred and Wonder Woman, and mm-hmm. um, so I, I quite enjoyed those as well. And actually, there was even some weird sequences where. Like even I, d- I don't get why I, I just the same events happened, but how they did them was differently. Like Wonder Woman when she arranged to meet up with Cyborg. Yes, completely like it, different. But the events were the same. Like other other than other than the fact that um, so when um, she's t- uh, Wonder Woman is telling Bruce Wayne about the fight that happened in the past with the old gods and, mm-hmm. uh, and the and everyone else. Well, we'll talk about that back in a minute, but. Um, like you see cyborg watching them in the woods from afar and now right. that was in the whedon version but in right. the zack steiner version you don't have any of that like nope. um, so, so then when they they sort of wonder woman and um the batman go off to try and recruit she's she's to recruit cyborg yeah. and the events are the sa- same thing she goes online to find him yes but in the snack designer version, it's very quick, actually. He just yes. says, I'm here. Right. In the Whedon version, there's like chit-chat back and forth, yes. like online. And, I, and and then when they meet when they meet up in the street, that same thing happens. But in the street, it's a lot more atmospheric. You get a long panel view of the street. That's yeah. sort of taking their time. You know, well, it's completely different, though, because in the Whedon version, 
uh, cyborg shows up and he's wearing his sweats so you can't tell that he's a cyborg in the snyder cut he flies into the scene drops down talks to wonder woman he drops an f-bomb and he's kind of like i'm not interested in in helping other people because other people have never helped me and honestly like it I prefer the meeting between Wonder Woman and Cyborg in the Whedon version than I do in the Snyder Cut, which is one of the few sequences that I prefer from the theatrical cut versus this this new one. Uh, I just think that Snyborg, uh, Snyborg, Cyborg is sort of more human in the Whedon version than he is in the Snyder Cut. Um, so I preferred him showing up like in his hoodie, kind of disguised, like embarrassed to show his true cyborg form versus him literally flying in with no cover whatsoever and nothing but his like metal exoskeleton. Um, so I, I thought that the differences there were were oddly, oddly uh, favorable in the Whedonverse, especially given the way that Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg, is has has come out and said that Joss Whedon is a piece of shit. Uh, like, it it's weird because I feel like sometimes Joss gives Cyborg a better kind of more human actually portrayal. Uh, than than Snyder does. Now, Snyder does a better job of expanding on Cyborg's story, giving us more Cyborg backstory and that kind of thing. Um, so I think in the in the long run, Victor Stone slash Cyborg is more fleshed out and a much better character in the Snyder Cut, but his introduction to the Justice League is much better done in the Whedon version. Okay, actually, it's probably a nice little segue there into talking about Cyborg. So his differences are vast. And yes. he's definitely, I would say, probably the heart of this movie oh, now watching sure. it. And where in the Whedon version, his screen time was seriously reduced. His, oh, yeah. back, his backstory is non-existent. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe maybe there were some thought processes that Cyborg was going to get a solo film or something like that. But And equally, again, they were probably trying to get it to a two-hour movie. But in this version, we get to see like completely brand new scenes which mm-hmm. kind of fall, kind of falls into additional material really but the differences here are that actually we get a flashback on him and his mother in a car accident and we get yeah. to see that their father is more focused on work on mm-hmm. his, sorry, his father's more focused on work and he wasn't there the day of and you actually get a big scene of him in the Gotham right playing football uh, yeah, which playing football. there were so many images released before Zach left the original film where you see Victor Stone playing for Gotham City University where you see him playing quarterback you see him playing football uh, uh, now pet peeve tiny pet peeve as a fan of american football uh there is no freaking way on the planet that you would ever have a quarterback playing that position with no mouthpiece that's totally random totally just my thing but like watching the snyder cut i was like he's not wearing a mouthpiece that would never work maybe you missed him take it out (laughs) no no he's not wearing a mouthpiece mark (laughs) Uh, anyway so you see the accident that involves him Mm -hmm. Be cut to become cyborg right so it's nice that we get that rather than in the Whedon version and it's kind of so just... much more gruesome in the snyder cut in the snyder cut he has no there there is nothing below his rib cage like he has no no 
midsection, no legs. He has no arms. He has, well, he has a nub of an arm on, on his right side and no arm at all on his left side. Uh, he has no eye on his left side in the Snyder version. In the Whedon version, there is a flashback where uh, sort of Wonder Woman and Bruce Wayne are watching the footage of Silas bringing his son back to life. And he has like a full body. I mean, he has, well, he has like half an arm on one side, but you can still see he has a midsection and he has legs. But in the Snyderverse, it's kind of like, dude, your entrails are like, hanging out of your rib cage like while you are propped up on this platform before silas puts the mother box to you and throughout the movie throughout the movie cyborg has character development and relationship building with his father so you Mm -hmm. can see him and his father like really struggle with their relationship and you know the father hasn't told anyone at work what he did and um and he and why would he yeah, well, yeah, and so then he makes a tape recording and, mm-hmm. and Cyborg destroys it. However, the, the father does actually get some heroic time as well. He right. sacrificed himself towards the end of the movie to... Um, to uh, make sure they can track the third mother box. Yeah, to, mm-hmm. to, and, then, um, and then when Cyborg comes back home, he uses his abilities to rebuild the tape recorder, which he destroyed, so he could actually listen to his, his father's right. last words. So you can imagine if you didn't have superpowers, how annoyed you'd be if your father ended up dying and you've you've right and you, you destroy the last uh, recording that he ever made for yeah, yeah yeah that would be pretty devastating yeah so and then our other big difference was the flash so oh man the, i mean it's <laughs> when you're night and day movie, honestly yeah, when you're watching this film honestly it does feel like you are watching a different movie like yes. a movie that was essentially had maybe 20% of the Whedon cut and then the rest of it was just, just felt like brand new. Mm-hmm. And even throughout the film, there's so many scenes that were redone, like the, almost the same conversations, not word for word, but right. they were the same conversations in certain areas. Completely all, all different. Well, like the, the meeting between Bruce Wayne and Barry Allen was completely different between the films. Yeah. yeah. So we meet, we go, we meet Barry Allen probably, Oh, I've got to say somewhere around half an hour into the movie, something like no, that. No, you meet him pretty early on because that whole sequence <sighs> with him and Iris happens early. And then yeah, no, 20, later 30. on, he meets Bruce Wayne. Yeah, no, but it was about 20 to 30 minutes into the mm-hmm. film where you see him with Iris. But what right. I mean is then he meets Bruce. So we get this whole brand new scene. So we, we meet the Flash who's having a, um, goes into a pet store. And on the right. way out, Iris goes out. And I knew it was her because I, I remember seeing... Yeah. Um, them talking about them casting Iris and her being cut from the film. So you see this nice little interaction between the two of them, mm-hmm. eyes meeting, smiles, all that kind of stuff. And we and we know that from from comics and the CW that Barry and Iris are meant to be. Yeah. And as he's looking out the window, he keeps looking out the window and she's about to die and he uses his flash speed and goes out and saves his life. Mm-hmm. However, he does slow down for a moment so that she sees him. So yeah. that would be a, a nice moment for a hopeful flash movie if there ever is made one. Right, if we and, ever um, get a director that stays long enough to finish yeah. the freaking film. Yeah. So, But throughout the movie, again, there's so much... I would say character development of the Flash, mm-hmm. and and we get some silly moments taken out, which we didn't put in this thing about um, the scene between him and Batman, where he's like, "Oh, I don't know how to R- save brunch. people." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, uh, and also, they took out the. I, I didn't actually mind the scene, but the after credit sequence between him and Superman. Where yeah, they that was each a other. cute scene. So I actually would have been quite happy for that bit to have stayed, yeah. but again, that was just something 
humor that Bruce, well uh, that was one of the things that i noticed between the two films is that there is a lot of forced humor in the whedon version of the film than there is in the snyder cut mm. like there's so many sequences like i understand that in especially in teen titans like in teen titans whether it's the like all, all of the different iterations of the animated version of teen titans cyborg's signature line is booyah like that's that's kind of his thing when something goes right or when they win and he's like booyah uh so like they they force that into the whedon version of the film and the theatrical version of the film however in the snyder cut like cyborg doesn't get to have any of those funny silly sort of moments so there's no catch lines no catchphrases nothing like that um but at the same time i don't think that the Snyder Cut suffers because some of the throwaway humor lines were taken out. Uh, I think, I think again, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, it kind of goes back to show Joss Whedon is used to working with comedic actors. He's used to doing the kind of scripts that get the laughs that are supposed to be funny. And he, it's almost like the kind of director that forces his like opinion onto the film whether or not the film calls for it or not so watching these two films back to back again i was definitely struck by Zack snyder doesn't give a shit about making the audience laugh like a lot of the stuff that were funny moments in the snyder cut were natural like they naturally occurred in the conversation without it having to be like it didn't feel forced it didn't feel like that would have been a good moment for a laugh. And so like, let me add one just because that's what the audience is expecting. Whereas in the theatrical cut, there are so many of those moments where it's kind of like, you didn't really need the joke there. It's not that the joke was not funny. It was funny, uh, but like it didn't need to be there. So I felt like a lot of the humor in the theatrical cut was forced. Uh, And there's other sort of differences as well. Like, um, <clears throat> Sorry, uh, to, like the ending as well. The, the sort of the big the fight scenes were completely mm-hmm. different. Um, the visually they were different. So we yeah. had like a red tint across where uh, Snyder went with his sort of more traditional duller and darker yeah. tones. Now like I will say I definitely appreciated the color correction. So in the in the theatrical cut, it is a overall much brighter film, much more colorful film. Whereas in the Snyder cut, everything is dark and muted and that's all well and good but like that is really hard to watch in the middle of the day like in the middle of the afternoon it is really hard to watch a film that is that dark because you just can't see it there's it's too bright uh like in 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 it was too bright in my living room to watch that movie at at 11 a.m versus watching the Whedon cut where it's just like yes this this the grass is actually green as opposed to like this super dull maybe greenish brown color that it is in the snyder cut um so yeah i definitely appreciated the color correction there's no reason i mean other than like your specific artistic vision for a film to be that dark i i was quite happy with the darker tone of snyder because i feel it went in line with bvs and and man of steel so well, yeah but like those films didn't have to be that dark either no, no I, I think that's, <laughs> that was something that people were right, a right. Bit i, I think it's a, it's just a personal kind of thing like, I, I it's, it's it a zack snyder more, thing it went in in tone it, it sort of helped 
keep everything on the same tone. Yeah. Um, and there's there's differences in that fight sequence as well. Um, in the end battle sequence, like Superman, you know. So the biggest the biggest difference, especially in like Steppenwolf, um, I think Steppenwolf and sort of the cyborg and Silas sort of dynamic are the two biggest biggest differences in this film. So with Steppenwolf in the Whedon version, Steppenwolf is the villain. Period. There there is no one else. There is one or two mentions of Darkseid. That is it in the Whedon version. However, in the Snyder version, we actually see Darkseid. We see him. He speaks. We get to see that there is someone pulling Steppenwolf's strings. Uh, and we, you know, like in the, in the Whedon version, we know that Steppenwolf is trying to please Darkseid. But at the same time, in the Whedon version, uh, Darkseid has no effect on this film whatsoever. So even in the entire sequence at the beginning where Steppenwolf is fighting the original like clans of Earth, where he's fighting the humans, the gods, the Amazons, and the Atlanteans, he's it's Steppenwolf fighting. However, in the Snyder version, Darkseid is the one that is actually fighting all of these Yeah, people. young Darkseid. Yeah. yeah, like it's, it's a completely different dynamic. And in the Snyder cut... Darkseid is the one who is who who is like pulling the strings, who everyone is kind of looking to. Like he is the reason that everybody's doing what they're doing. Um, so I thought that was a completely different feel as far as villains go, because in the Snyder Cut, you are you immediately know Steppenwolf is not in charge. You know the Steppenwolf was a minion. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the Whedon version, it's kind of like Steppenwolf is the guy. And then maybe he has a boss, but like he's really the guy that's making all the decisions. So, what were your thoughts on on Darkseid? I, I I was like really excited by it. I thought this is a good build up for future movies as well. Yeah, future movies until you realize that oh, yeah, DC yeah, just okay. said that they're canceling okay, okay, New okay. Gods. But okay, okay, yes, but yeah, yes. Like, so like had, I, I thought I mean, it was really this, interesting. I just because, mean, had this movie had happened as it should have happened, right? Like, yeah, because so, Darkseid yeah. has always been like hot shit like he has always been sort of like the thanos equivalent right like the like he has always been top tier villain level that is so powerful that you really don't see him very much um so i loved in the snyder version that is dark side that comes to earth and it's dark side that's defeated and yet steppenwolf is kind of the guy that dark seed is just like and and one of the things that struck me the most is that when we get you know when dark side is talking uh, later in the film he's kind of just like i've spent so much time looking for this planet because he got de- defeated on earth five thousand years ago when all of the clans were united but he he has conquered so many planets that he didn't even remember earth so he spent so much time in the past five thousand years he has spent so much time trying to find earth all over again and I thought that was super interesting because it's like, yeah, these people beat me, but like they're so insignificant in my grand scheme of things. Like I have conquered ten thousand planets. Like hell, if I remember the freaking planet of uh, whatever the hell it's called, where you have you know these people that sent me home packing. Like I thought that was really 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 interesting. Um, that the whole dynamic there was kind of like, holy shit, this is where this is where Darkseid lost, and like and and Steppenwolf kind of takes that to be like. Well, Darkseid lost here, but like I can win his favor back if I can defeat this planet. Um, so it kind of it kind of made the stakes more important because 
the whole time Steppenwolf was trying to get back into Darkseid's good graces. Whereas it, like that that was always a sentiment regardless of the film. But in the Snyder version, you you feel it. And it's kind of like Darkseid has been given a character. So the fact that I have seen Darkseid, I know like what he's capable of. The fact that Steppenwolf is trying to get back into his good graces makes a bigger, it's a bigger impact in the Snyder cut than it is in the Whedon cut. Cause it's kind of like, well, Steppenwolf is trying to please this guy, but like, I don't know anything about this guy. So when I remember watching the original, I've been really underwhelmed by Stephen Wolf, who oh, yeah. the CGI I, was heard, freaking terrible. Well, so yeah, we're talking about his appearance. I, mean, I was like, when I watched it, I was like, I didn't even know who Stephen Wolf was. I knew who Darkseed was. Yes. <clears throat> I'd heard like I read some DC, and I'd, I'd always heard of of, of um, Darkseed, but I, I've no idea. Never heard of Stephen Wolf. And when they had the original uh, theatrical cut. I, I didn't really care about Stefan Wolf. I didn't right. know who this bloke was. I thought, to be honest with you, Stefan Wolf is a rubbish name. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, maybe people might disagree with me on that point, but for your first opening villain, I was like, how on earth did they come up with this bloke, Stefan Wolf? I, was, right. uh, I thought there must be some other bigger villains they could have gone with. I don't know. Um, however, so coming to appearance in a minute. However, when they had the Snyder cut with Stefan Wolf, they actually did character development for yes. the bad guy and show, yes. showed like why we should care about, right. I mean, obviously you don't care about the bad guy, but like why would you would necessarily be interested? But why in he's doing what he's, what doing. he's doing. Like yeah. he was very, very much, it was apparent in the Snyder Cut that he had fucked up at some point in his past and that he was atoning for whatever he messed up the first yeah. time. But in the Whedon version, you don't get that at all. In the no. Whedon version, it's like, Steppenwolf is the guy in charge, except that Steppenwolf answers to someone else, but we don't know, really know anything about that someone else that he answers to. Yeah. And um, so appearance-wise, when I saw Steppenwolf in the Snyder Cut, I was like, I can't remember now what he looks like. And when I, I like right. you, I watched the Whedon version afterwards. Oh, man, and... it was so disappointing, right? To go, like, to see the Snyder Cut version of Steppenwolf and then go back in time and see the Whedon Cut version. And it's and like... The Whedon Cut, oh. the Whedon, honestly, the two, two of them is just day and night. Completely the, different. The Whedon version, he, it's almost, like, cheap. It's almost like they didn't have the yeah, money to it's do really it. really bad. Like... And, and the voice. Like, I love Syrian Hines. Love him. I, I love him and everything that he's in. I think he's a fantastic villain. However... In the Whedon version, there is so much of Syrian Hines' actual voice in Steppenwolf. And in the Snyder Cut, his voice is so heavily edited that he feels more foreign and more like alien and more of a villain because his voice is almost unrecognizable. So there's a, there's a brilliant fight scene between Steppenwolf and Mira, which, like I mentioned this earlier, in the Whedon version, it's mm -hmm. literally blink and you'll miss it. But in the Whedon, uh, in the Zack Snyder version, yeah. Mira, honestly, a lot, even Mira's sort of fleshed out a little bit. Yeah. Like, even the minor characters are given a bit more screen time to be able to, you know, be like rooting for them. And she yeah. she's really kick-ass. She like, yeah. you know, when... when she's no bullshit and she's a fighter and she like, she's not afraid. So when when she's at, when she's fighting um, Stephen Wolf and she basically starts pulling all water and blood out of him and he throws her down to the floor and you can see why they got their eighteen rain now because it was there was some very fairly gory moments in there. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of the bad guys, I, I love the setup that Stephen Wolf was. You know they spent more money on the CGI mm -hmm. um, and they 
rocked up, but they gave him a backstory. But you also saw him sort of trying to win favor with Darkseed, who right. Darkseed we saw maybe sort of two or three times throughout the movie, and it kind of is a nice setup for a potential sequel if they ever make one. That is, right. and um, and then the other thing is, I want to obviously Superman. So. The resurrection of Superman happens completely differently oh between my both God. films. So, so different. It is so different. So, so the conversations in some ways are the same, mm-hmm. but you know, Superman or, never actually speaks in the Snyder version of his resurrection ever. Uh, oh no, no, he so doesn't say thinking, anything. So, no, what I was thinking of was um, in the like Batcave. They are standing around in a circle talking about the mother box and cyborg mm-hmm. is telling giving them the history of the mother boxes and 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 then everyone and I love it. The flash says, you know, I know what you're all thinking. If but I'm not gonna say it. Yeah, I'm not gonna say it. And then yeah. and then cyborg does a projection of Superman. However, in the Whedon version, it's Bruce Wayne is pushing the agenda to bring Superman right. back. And Wonder Woman's like, no, no, we can't, we can't. Yeah. Um, but however, again, this is where Snyder is taken on a more team approach in yes in the whedon version what i noticed the most between all of the characters of the justice league is whedon interjects this friction that is not there at all in the snyder version at all like in the snyder in the in the whedon version there's Aquaman does not like Cyborg. He he taunts Cyborg. He doesn't trust Cyborg. He thinks that Cyborg might be working for Steppenwolf. And in the Snyder Cut, there's none of that. There's none of that division. There's none of that sort of distrust that there is in the Whedon version. And for the life of me, I can't understand why you added all of this friction to the team because there's nothing wrong with the team without the friction. Like, it's it, it's still a very kind of new thing. They're all new to each other. They don't necessarily trust each other, but they also don't necessarily distrust each other. So like it it's a completely different team dynamic between the Whedon version and the Snyder Cut. And I much, much, much prefer the Snyder Cut version because again, it feels like Zach gives the audience the option like he he trusts the audience enough to assume that the audience is going to understand why things are happening versus in the Whedon version, when we get the team together, it's kind of like Joss is giving the audience all of the information as opposed to letting the audience draw its own conclusions, which is what Zach does. So with Superman, there's quite a lot of differences. Oh yeah. So Superman is a huge influence in the Whedon version, which... Uh, as someone who's not really a fan of Superman, <laughs> like it really just annoyed me because I was like, I don't care about Superman. I don't care. I don't care. Um, like I, I was far more interested in everybody else. But in the Snyder version, it's I mean, in the in the Whedon version, it's almost like a f- sequel to Man of Steel versus a Justice League film, because from the very beginning, from like from the very opening, when you were talking at the beginning the opening of that viral video of Superman talking to the kids at the scene of this crime or whatever, like Whedon's film heavily relies on everybody loving Superman versus the Snyder cut film where it's like, we, we have to bring Superman back because we can't win without Superman. But at the same time, like it's, it's Superman is not influential on 
the individual characters of the Justice League in the Snyder Cut. Yeah, and also Superman as well. The terrible CGI, so he was filming Mission Impossible yeah. at the same time. The fucking mustache! Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> and, and so the Mission Mission Impossible people were like, "No, you're not allowed yes, to shave the mustache shave off." Yeah. So he had to do all his scenes of Justice League with the mustache, and they CGI'd them out. However, I don't know what happened, but their CGI team didn't do a very good job, or maybe, <laughs> may, or maybe they did the best job they could. I right. I, I don't work in CGI, um, so but it looked awful. You could right. see that you could see there was something wrong with his face. Yeah, with his face. So, um, and then when he was resurrected, that that whole scene plays out completely differently. I mean, well, probably ninety percent differently. There were some moments that were the same, like Cyborg's arm coming alive and wanting to shoot. Superman. Yeah, but it's different because but, he never talks in yeah, in yeah, the yeah. in the Snyder one. one, right? He yeah. never talks. But in the Whedon one, he he sort of has this whole thing about oh, you won't yeah, he's let me pissed live. at Batman still. Yeah, you won't let me live. You, you won't, won't let, let me die. die. Yeah. You know, and then he starts going about oh, you know, like do you, you bleed? bleed? <laughs> and then when he throws Batman on the, throws Batman on the floor, and Batman makes a joke about I do a little bit or so, or I might do now or something. I can't remember yeah. exactly, but he makes a joke about bleeding. And again, that's another sort of Whedon trying to force a sort of a quick laugh in right. there. Which, yeah, yeah. You know, Batman doesn't make jokes. No, like, Batman so, is not humorous at all. Like, I mean, when Batman does make jokes, they you actually can laugh because yeah, it's it, natural. Because the character of Batman makes humor so rarely when he does, you're like, you can laugh. Like when the Flash said, "What is your superpower again?" and he's like, "Well, I'm rich." Like that. That is a Batman joke. Like yeah, and that, but that's that makes always sense that, for that's always a Batman joke. Like right. even even when I'm sitting with people, they're like, "Oh, yeah. but Batman doesn't have powers." I'm like, "Yeah, he well, does. his superpower is he's rich." Yeah, he does have superpowers. <laughs> like, and um, so anyway, like let's sort of move on from the differences to the additional scenes where there were some additional scenes were also slightly different as well. So cover off, uh, sort of linking quite nicely here with Superman. So the black suit. Yeah, yeah. So so nice. It was so great in the Snyder. I was not expecting that. So he goes into the spaceship and he does get his black suit, which mm-hmm. if you, I haven't read it, but the return of Superman after Superman dies in, in the comics, Superman is in a black suit. And I think from memory, it's something to do with him trying to absorb more power from the sun to mm-hmm. get to get back to being Superman again. Um, he also then flies off to where Alfred is and, and he meets Alfred mm-hmm. and um, and they've obviously, I don't believe they've met before. No, nope, um, they haven't. So then he tells them where they are so mm-hmm. that he can go off to save the day. And, um, and, and his differences in the fight sequence between him and Stephen Wolf. Oh my God. Cut. His entrance with Stephen Wolf, where he just kind of takes that hit from the ax on his shoulder. Like I am not impressed. Yeah. was so badass. It was so badass. And, and in the, in the Snyder version, he doesn't fly off and save any no, people. he doesn't help the Flash. There are no people. So in the Snyder version, like in, in the Whedon cut, there's this whole family that you get attached to throughout the movie. Like this family trapped in this Chernobyl-like city where Steppenwolf has taken over the nuclear reactor. Uh, th- that family doesn't exist in the Snyder cut at all whatsoever. So like we don't give a shit about any of the people that may or may not be in this town where the nuclear reactor is when they go to Steppenwolf's lair. Yeah. So in the Whedon version, um, Lois and Martha have a scene at the Daily Planet. Mm-hmm. That scene doesn't happen in the Snyder version, but right. the conversation kind of happens. Yes. So 
in the Snyder version, we we get to see Martha. So we see a scene earlier on, which is the same about the foreclosure. So we know that Martha has lost the farm. And mm-hmm. then we see this scene, which is very dark and gloomy in her apartment. And, and Martha shows apartment. up. Yeah, Lois's mm-hmm. apartment. And Martha shows up and has a sort of bit of a heart to heart of her. Right. And then, she, then Martha sort of says goodbye and she leaves, steps out into the corridor. And then she only freaking shapeshifts into the oh, Martian man. Manhunter. And when she I did lost that, my shit at that uh, point. Uh, like, I too. love Martian Man. John Johns is one of my favorite. He is, in fact, my second favorite Justice League character. My first favorite being Hot Girl. But John Johns, love, love. I have always loved the Martian Manhunter. So when, when that happened, I was the same as you. I was like, I freaking like jumping out of my seat. Yeah, yeah. My wife was watching with me. She's like, Who's it? Who is this? And that's the thing. And that's the thing. John Johns. Like, I know. So I was like, It's a Martian Manhunter. And my wife's like, Again, who? But that comes oh, to that no. point where you were saying earlier about, you know, like the average fan versus right. someone who knows. So when you were right. with a friend, had she have seen this of you, she would have been like, what? Who is that? Yes, like, yeah. Exactly. And so this was definitely for the fans. That yes. moment was put in for the fans. So that that so Martian Man. But that also makes me wonder, like, why didn't you reveal that in Man of Steel when you had plenty of opportunities to reveal him? Uh, yeah, which so, is like a, uh, you know, like the lieutenant or sergeant or whoever, you, gen- Colonel Lennox, general, general yeah. Lennox, yeah. yeah. Like you had all of this opportunity to reveal him, yet <sighs> you didn't. Like it's just it's a missed opportunity in my book because not that many people are going to see the Snyder Cut. Honestly, if if you know if we're being honest, the Snyder Cut is for fans so casual viewers are not going to watch. Like my friend that I went to see the theatrical cut with, they're not going to watch the Snyder Cut. That's just, that's, that's not something they're going to do. So only fans get to see this. And it's so disappointing because it's like, oh, Martian Manhunter is such an integral part of the Justice League. I don't know how you could, how you missed the opportunity to introduce him <laughs> in Man of Steel. Actually, you know, it would have been, a, it could have done it in the after credits or something. Yeah, it could have been a post-credit scene. Yeah, yeah. So, like that whole scene at the end where the, instead of like the girl, the, the girl sergeant or whoever was like, oh, well, I think he's really hot. Like it could have been a scene where like the Martian no, Manhunter you, reveals himself, and it's you like, oh think my quite, god, you've been you in this think, movie the whole time. I was gonna say you got to think like, how on earth did he not help out? Like when yeah. all the Kryptonians were showing up, wouldn't he help? Anyway, so Martian Manhunter, we both like say lots love, of shit. We, we were love. like, oh, brilliant. Yeah. And then Martian Manhunter has one other scene later on where in the epilogue kind of moment, he shows yeah. up at Bruce Wayne's house and says, you know, I want to help out. Bruce like, great. It was a, it was a little nice moment there that will probably not go anywhere. So though, what, so, was, what was up with the CGI on Bruce Wayne's face in that scene? Because like, I was getting very, very, very much like George Clooney vibes when, when that scene played out. And I was like, I don't understand what is happening here? Like, why? Why does Ben Affleck suddenly look like George Clooney? I don't get I don't, it. I don't. I don't think they're bringing George Clooney back. Don't worry. I um, freaking hope not. <laughs> so, um, He's a great so, Danny Ocean. He is a terrible Bruce Wayne. I'm just gonna throw that out there. So we touched on this earlier about new scenes. So you know, Flash is um, fleshed out a little bit more. You know, yeah. Iris, Iris, and stuff like that. Um, the Flash on. is not only fleshed out with him meeting Iris, but the Flash is actually the savior of the Snyderverse version of the film like so time travel right right the time travel at the very end is like it's wild i mean i get it like he he did time travel there was time travel with barry allen in batman versus superman uh but i was not expecting the ending that i that that happened like 
because at the end it's kind of in the whedon version superman is pretty much like the one who saves the day at the end right but in the snyder cut it's kind of like they had a plan their plan did not originally include superman because nobody thought that he was actually going to show up so in the snyder version he shows up and it's a bonus to everybody else but like the plan originally included cyborg being the one to separate the mother boxes the three mother boxes and barry was going to be the person who gives cyborg the edge that he needed to complete his task so flash is like running around this chernobyl-esque town gets shot he gets hurt he fails and when he fails well that's when the shit hits the fan the mother boxes synchronize and everybody gets a flash into the future where all of the heroes are kind of dead like disintegrated into blood and bone dead which is part of the reason that this movie has that rating that it does because when they come back together you actually see all of the blood and the guts and all of that stuff like reforming human shapes um but at the end like the the flash had always said like i can really go fast i can go really fast i can go faster than the speed of light however when i run that fast i run the risk of messing with you know if i'm going faster than the speed of light i run the risk of messing up time and Mm -hmm. he said that in the film early earlier on in the film so at the very end after this disaster happens and they're not able to stop steppenwolf he goes runs so fast that he goes back in time which is freaking like at like the last 20 minutes of this film i was literally sitting like on the edge of my chair watching because i was like oh my god what is gonna happen uh but like that was such a great scene because he had gotten shot by one of the parademons which is what messed up the whole sequence in the first place and it is literally just barry's kind of willpower that's like i i can't end it it can't end here like i can't let it end here and so he basically steps into the speed force heals himself and then reverses time and kind of saves the day and it's like oh this is kind of shit that i'm talking about because barry allen and victor stone have such integral roles in the snyderverse film that they didn't quite have in the theatrical cut and it's like these characters are ridiculously important without the two of them there is no justice league film period yeah um other additional scenes were with uh, aquaman mm-hmm. so we got to see early william defoe's character as well uh, who mm-hmm. also is in the main aquaman film uh, he's he's definitely given a lot more screen time i i do think though he's in the snack cider version, he's not given too much more than what we have with Whedon. No, he has like one monologue scene kind of with uh, Arthur uh, after Arthur rejects Bruce Wayne's offer. Uh, but other than that, I mean... His thing was pretty much intact. But really. if you had not seen the Aquaman film, you would have no idea who he was. And in the Aquaman yeah. film, the, end of the, the standalone film, he is Aquaman's mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, once he becomes old enough to like learn his Atlantean abilities so it, it was nice to see him in this film but yeah he is definitely not in the theatrical cut at all so we'll move on from additional scenes to nightmare and future scenes now I will say before we even start I could have done without the future at all it was yeah. completely unnecessary it didn't need to be in the film and I didn't understand it like uh, you you piece together what happens like in the future scenes something happens lois lane dies 
and then Superman becomes one of Darkseid's minions. And it's just kind of like, how did we get here? So that's so so just to clarify that that particular scene is right at the very end of the yeah, movie. But that's the epilogue. So, so mm-hmm. we've got we actually have two of those. So when just before Cyborg is about to pull the trigger and save um Superman, he has a sort of a flash forward to a potential future where Superman turns bad. Yeah. And yeah, and you see like a scene of Wonder, Wonder Woman's Woman dead. Some mm-hmm. pennies on her eyes and coins on her eyes and stuff like yeah. that. And gotta and pay so, the ferryman to the underworld. Yeah, yeah. So he he's sort of like, uh, not sure, not sure. And there's a bit there's a bit of a friction whether he goes ahead or not. But the big scene was right at the very end, like you just said. Yeah. So it's sort of my, like an ex, uh, expansion on the parademon scene from Batman versus Superman, where Batman gets captured and Superman is a bad guy in the desert, like the whole desert yeah. sequence. It's just bizarre, though. So I, okay, so if he would have left that, because I know you, you like, I think we both could have probably done without that scene. Yes. However, leaving that scene in as it is, I would much rather they'd have shifted it to after the titles just like to create some separation from um, from the main film yeah from the main because the main film had an end yeah and then this sequence well like the way the hbo max kind of split it up instead of like having commercial sequences hbo max had title cards so Mm -hmm. for part they you know they had part one part two part three and then by the time you get to this future state it's part it's the epilogue so it's like this entire epilogue was maybe 15, 10 or 15 minutes. And, but it was like, how did, like, you have no idea how you got here. It was very confusing. So, so, so it sort of follows, um, which we didn't actually cover in terms of differences, where, where Deathstroke shows up with Lex Luthor. So in the uh, Whedon version, Deathstroke is, you know. Right, which is a mid credit scene in the original. Yeah. So they were going to, they're talking about making their own Justice League. Injustice anyway, League. Yeah, yeah, I know, the Injustice yeah. But in the uh, Zack Snyder cut, he's uh-huh. he's actually come to him for information. He tells him, Batman's right? Bruce Lex Wayne actually says, "Yeah, Batman Bruce is Wayne, Bruce yeah. Wayne, so that then, should help you." But then he goes straight into this um, uh, future scene where we've got Batman with goggles and he's mm-hmm. standing, and the world looks like it's fallen over, and, we've, and yes. we see lots of different characters. Mirrors there, mirrors there, Cyborg's there, yeah. Flash is there, but Flash has a whole new suit. Cyborg yeah. has this whole new suit that has a freaking Gatling gun attached yeah. to it. Um, but Mirror's talking about how what I'm assuming is that Aquaman must be. Yeah, murdered. Aquaman has died, but yeah. we assume that Superman killed him because she's so pissed at Superman. Yeah. And then and then suddenly we see that the Joker's there. Or, and Deathstroke. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, and Deathstroke, sorry, Deathstroke's there. Mm-hmm. But sorry, Jar- so, but Jared Leto's Joker is there. Right. And I've got to put this out there. I hate Jared Leto's Joker. It's, it's just the it's, worst It's Joker. unnecessary. Yeah, and he's, and I just, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've seen anything that I actually like Jared Leto in. Um, mm, uh, Requiem for you, a Dream is oh, fantastic, but it is incredibly depressing. Never seen that. Uh, I've never seen that movie but uh it's making me now want to check and see if he's done anything (laughs) he was okay he was in blade runner the new blade runner with ryan gosling oh i I did like that actually he's okay um but anyway so that whole scene was was unnecessary it was almost like a fanboy type thing like it was a bit like oh i want to have that was fan service it, it was almost like I want a Batman Joker scene, but there's no way of having a Batman Joker scene in this movie. So what Which I'm going to do is completely ridiculous because yeah. even um, 
what's his face david Iyer in suicide squad had a very nice scene between uh joker driving that lamborghini with harley in the uh, front seat and batman saving harley's life like that worked that that scene with batman joker and harley worked out but this one was so weird you know i i i've just checked he was in fight club but he probably had a minor role i loved fight club so i'll give him that but I, <laughs> but that wasn't that wasn't down to him why i love that film um anyway that whole scene it was unnecessary however mm-hmm. I do, I kind of do like the alternate Earths thing. Like, I know this isn't an alternate Earth, but this is a possible future. Yeah, I yeah. do kind of love all that kind of stuff. But I, I think it would have been better if we'd have just shoved that after the credits. But really, as we're never going to get there, like, I can't see that we're ever going to get to that point in DC's right. history. I don't think DC is going to ever go down the road of wanting to kill off Aquaman. I'm sorry, they're just not going to do no. it. I mean, they've just, you know, they're, they're, the Aquaman movie was brilliant. Everyone loved it. And, right. you know, I, I can't remember how well it did, but it, I probably did pretty well. And I know it's getting a sequel. So, like, like they're completely unlikely to allow Zack Snyder to kill off Aquaman. Yeah. The whole, that whole thing that someone should have said, Zack, look, we, you know, we've let you do your whole thing. But right. look, that, this that, is that, enough. That, but that seems probably going to And it was go, way too know. long. It was yeah. way too long. And then again, the gratuitous F-bombs. And it's just like, I- I'm all for cursing. I love cursing. I curse all the time. However, the F-bombs were unnecessary in the Snyder Cut. They were completely unnecessary. So, I did not need Bruce Wayne as Batman saying the F-word to the Joker. I didn't need that. Yeah. Uh, so a part of me as a fan, I kind of enjoyed the interactions. I don't like Jared Leto as a Joker. I, di- I don't like Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. I think those are two bad castings, in my opinion. And I know I've heard equally arguments for why people love those ones, especially Je- Jesse Eisenberg. I'm still not a fan. I've <laughs> yet, to be, yet to be convinced. Oh, the kind of Lex Luthor I like is the Lex Luthor from like Smallville or even Supergirls, Lex Luthor, I quite like. You know, I prefer the more serious i don't mind a bit of camp but jesse eisenberg is like 100 percent camp anyway i've gone off the subject here so that's kind of covering off our differences our future scenes our additional scenes i'm sure we may have missed one or two well there, the biggest was though was lois lane um with when she opens the drawer at one point like oh yeah no i was gonna come onto that in uh his overall plan uh sorry his future plan so snyder so the snyderverse so we've heard a lot following this movie about his overall plans and his potential future plans for his you know he had so many movies and stuff like that we've seen the hashtag come out now restore the snyderverse from Mm -hmm. fans and, and that's kind of taken over the whole release of Snyder Cut now. We're now getting Restore the Snyderverse because fans have enjoyed this movie. Yeah, well, um, I got to say, after seeing the Snyder Cut, like, I am 100% on board with Zack Snyder's version of a sequel to this version of Justice League. So, 100%. and literally, literally the next thing I was about to say was about Lois Lane pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's a moment where she pulls out the drawer and you see a pregnancy test that's clearly done i think she pulled out the drawer to get something from it i can't remember what it was but she pulls out the drawer and she as she picks it up you see a pregnancy test and i'm like oh that's deliberate yeah so afterwards so this is apparently by the way though let me just tell you women do not keep pregnancy tests in the drawer of their nightstands let me just i'm just gonna throw that out there like that might not be a thing that people are familiar with but that is not where you would keep a pregnancy test that stays in the bathroom does not go in your nightstand drawer 
anyway, continue. Unless, unless I don't know, she just chucked it in there. No, so. because you don't pee on a stick at the nightstand. You pee on a stick in the bathroom. Like you, oh, yeah. you would not do that anywhere else in your house. Well, no, unless it was a brand new packet that she was planning mm-hmm. on using. Like I don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> the overall plan apparently, Lois. Um, so there's a bit of a setup here that. So, sorry, Zack Snyder had uh, like a five movie arc and it was going to include Lois being pregnant and potentially leading to Batman dying in in Justice League 3. And there was some sort of plan about maybe them calling their child Bruce Kent. Sounds a bit weird to me. Can't see that happening. (laughs) and, and, And he could have potentially led to being Batman. So I I don't know. Don't seems a bit weird to me. It seems a bit forced. Yeah. Um, it almost seems like Zack Snyder just really wants a Batman movie, and Warner Brothers don't seem to want to give him a Batman movie. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't really know. But there, there, there's sort of um, yeah. So <laughs> that, that was kind of it. There, but there's also been talk as well about Justice League Two. So I mean, the, the, these sort of things are a little bit conflicting. But there's apparently Justice League Two could have had Lois Lane been killed where when Lex Luthor tells Darkseed the key to getting Batman, uh, Superman to, to sort of to, to maybe come to your side or flip out or whatever it is, is, is Lois. Well, uh, apparently that's not a secret though, because everybody knows that Lois is the key. Yeah. Well, maybe, well, obviously Darkseed wouldn't have known that because he's on the other side of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snyder also has had some, you know, potential interest in a Batgirl film, but he has said after this, though, he is sort of done. I I can't see. I, I I do question a lot of the people that are in charge of the Warner Brothers, uh, the DC movies. I really hope they're sitting down at the moment, going, "Shit, like, what are we gonna do?" Right. Like, you know, we've got we've got our plan over the next five years of movies. We were gonna get rid of Zack Snyder, but actually fans are going crazy over this Snyder cut. Right. But they also need to figure out their shit with Ray Fisher because for them to pull Ray Fisher from the Cyborg film when Cyborg and Flash had the most chemistry between any other members of the Justice League, like, it it, it makes no sense for you to pull Ray Fisher from his film. Work your shit out. Give Ray Fisher whatever he's asking for. Put him in the Flash film. Give him his own film. And let's be done with this because honestly, they were the two characters that really shown the most. And it makes sense that they shown the most because they were the two characters that did not have their own individual films when this film came out. Like, of course, there was no Aquaman yet. However, everybody is familiar with Jason Momoa. Everybody kind of loves Jason Momoa. He's sort of like a universally liked character or person game of thrones exactly as a star atlantis cal drogo right so like but you had cyborg and you had flash and they really really were the heart and soul of this film they were the heart and soul of the justice league they were the two characters that ended up saving the freaking world at the end of the day um so for you to just kind of treat them like they don't matter is ridiculous Give so, give the people what they're asking for with the Flash and the Cyborg, and let those two characters kind of play out in their own films. So me and me and Jasmine, we wrote down our standout characters, and actually for the for the film, 
Barry Allen and Cyborg, mm-hmm. uh, aka Victor Allen, uh, was our, our sort of standout characters for these movies. And which really, Mark and I hardly ever agree on stuff like that. So like the fact that we both said the same thing was kind of interesting. But also, there was minor characters that really stood out for me as well, like um, the introduction of the Atom. Even mm-hmm. though it was like maybe two scenes, I was like that's quite cool that they've done that as well. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and again, that was, that was an Asian guy. So again, another sort of minority and, but, but Victor's dad as well got so much more screen time. And, and yeah. I guess that, that forms part of why Victor was so good in this movie. It was understanding his motivations because initially yes. he wasn't particularly interested. And, and then he only really gets interested because uh, they take his father and, and then he, and then he completely buys into being in the team after his father sacrificed himself. And right. there's so much, great uh, to be honest the story and development for both these characters is is really good like we both yeah, yeah really love these characters and so. one of the things that i hated the most was the way and again this is having the luxury of watching these two films back to back literally back to back in the same day is the way that joss whedon kind of portrayed uh women like in in his theatrical version there were quite a few digs at Wonder Woman coming from all different angles. Like at one point, Wonder Woman and Bruce Wayne are fighting because uh, over Steve Trevor. And it's kind of like, first of all, that's none of Bruce Wayne's business. Like you, you don't get to, you know, make comments about someone else's sex life. First of all, let's just throw that out there. But like the fact that they even hinted at Wonder Woman being a love interest for Batman was completely ridiculous uh, in the theatrical cut. There's uh, there's also the again I mentioned this earlier, but like the tension within the Justice League itself, Aquaman is constantly at Cyborg's throat in the theatrical version versus in the Snyder cut version. It's kind of like there 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 is none of that awkward tension in the team at all. The team understands that Steppenwolf and Darkseid are the enemy and that without each other, they don't have a chance to defeat. He does at one point, though, accuse uh, Cyborg of potentially being an ally of... um, Once. uh, He does that one time and and that's it. And then he kind of corrects himself after the whole fight with Superman. But in in the theatrical cut, he literally ribs him, Aquaman ribs him all the time and it's not until that fight sequence with the parademons where cyborg catches arthur mid-air and it's kind of like the ride's not done yet and aquaman is like my man um like that's that's finally the moment where they come together but like they spend the entire film at each other's throats so so for me sort of bringing this all to uh, sort of rounding this up i would love it if dc warner brothers put out a statement to say the Joss Whedon theatrical cut is no longer part of it's, the continuity. Not, yes, exactly. Yeah, we, we've realised our the error in our ways, and from now on, Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, and then the Snyder cut will mm-hmm. be the the sort of the beginnings of this DC. Right. Those are going to be the canon, and we're going to yeah. move off of those going forward. Yeah, and we're gonna that's what we're going to build the foundations of the DCU. Yeah. We've put our hands up and what they should probably do is put Zack Snyder in charge like a bit like Kevin Feige and or you know 
have one overall voice controlling right. everything. Maybe that might mean that Snyder can't direct everything you know, himself, but put him in charge. The only thing I don't want to see is any of this future crazy stuff. No. And, and no. I, I, I think they might have to say to Snyder, look, yeah, we, yeah. We, 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 let we, that we, go. Yeah, tell, let that go. Tell the other stories that you were trying to yeah. tell. Yeah. But first, but... they really need to focus on a cohesive story in their individual we really need to see uh, some more a patience. cyborg film, a flash film, and a Green Lantern film before we see a second Justice League yeah. film. And they need to they need to go make amends with uh, Ray Fisher. Yes. They they need to go make amends with like well pretty much everybody to be honest at this point. But like they need to go make amends with Henry Cavill, mm-hmm. Ben Affleck. They should give Ben his own film. He wants a Batman film, but right. I know that he wants a bit more creative control over it. Say, so, look, you know, Ben. You know, this is this is where we're, you know, this is creative control. We're willing to Give him what have. he wants because he's far less suffer- insufferable in the Snyder Cut version than he is in the Whedon version. In the Whedon version, there's a lot of Bruce Wayne kind of waffling back and forth like, I don't want to be in charge, but, you know, I got to I gotta put this team together, but I really don't want to do that. And in the Snyder Cut version, it's kind of like, look, I, got, I can't do this by myself. These are these people are my best hope to help save the world. So fuck it. Like I'm gonna do what I have to do. Whereas in the Whedon cut, it's kind of like, eh, do I? Do I not? Do I need them? Yeah. Maybe I don't. It's just like, oh then, my god, oh, stop waffling. And also, I want to see a Ryan Choi Adam film now. Like oh, that, that'd be cool. Or at least so, just to see him suit up as Adam. But the, well, they, yeah, but that's the thing. What they could do is a bit like Marvel. Have him be yeah. in maybe pop the up in someone film. else's film. Exactly. So they, could, they could have him be part of the Cyborg film. That would make the most sense. Or even a Barry Allen film because he's part of Star Labs. So Barry yeah. Allen eventually works for Star Labs. So, so yeah, one of the two. Or you know, but they, oh, I don't know. I just this is what Warner Brothers got. I've got to do. But mm-hmm. I just don't have the faith that they're going to do it. I just don't like. And I don't I, either. And that's I mean, unfortunate. Like they I'm, they put all of their money into their animation side. Their animation is phenomenal, uh, but their live action stuff. It's like it's almost like with the live action, they have no idea what they're doing, and it's like you have a formula that works that is completely separate from Marvel. Talk to your animation people look at what your animation people are doing and then replicate that for live action. It is quite simple. So we've rated this four out of five. And generally, I think we were pretty pleased with it. Other than the future weird apocalypse Yeah, the scene, future part was super weird. Did not but, like but, it. But that was a two, three minute scene. Well, maybe yeah, five yeah. minutes out of push. Other than that, we loved this movie. We, yeah, okay, we, we, you know, we think four hours is quite a long period of time. Maybe Four hours we, is ridiculous, but this but, was a completely different film than the theatrical cut, 100%. Yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't feel like you're watching the same movie. So yeah, so sometimes I, I you know, you, you get these, I, mean, I remember sometimes I used to do this with like X-Files. I don't know if you like watch the X-Files TV series and then they would have a two or three parter and then they'd release like on VHS. I remember like having VHS. Uh, they'd release like a VHS, <laughs> go, like the, the extended edition and they go all new scenes. And then when you're uh-huh. watching it, you're like, really? Like, and then you read on the back of the small print, there's 13 minutes of additional scenes. Yeah, in exactly. I'm like, oh, okay. But this was like, it actually was like watching a brand it's new a film. film so, yeah. um, so overall, I'm glad that the fans had, had their voices heard. And, yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a different experience completely. It gave me a new perspective. I liked the Justice League Snyder Cut far, far more than I liked the theatrical cut. But I maintain four hours is fucking ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's too long for a film. 
So we'll, we'll bring our J- just I was about to say JLA Justice League uh, <laughs> snack cider cut. Uh, conversation to end. I'm glad we de- dedicated one episode just to this though. Yeah, there was a lot to unpack stuff. there. Yeah. So moving into our recommendations, Jasmine and I are sort of covering stuff we've covered a little bit before. Yeah, uh, we're been, cheating a little bit, yeah, but yeah. you know, not really. Uh, so I just want to recommend this week's Winter Soldier. We've got a brilliant team up between Zemo, Sam, and um, and the Winter Soldier themselves. Uh, Sharon also shows up. There's some pretty cool scenes in Madripoor. I really love this whole episode. We're really getting into the ins and outs now, the super soldier serum. And I actually have to say, even though Zemo plays quite a serious role, his humor is really good. Like, <laughs> there's some really good moments. Like, And even, even Sam, who I think is pretty straight as an actor, is, is, there's some good banter. So that was a good, it was a good episode. So, And uh, my recommendation this week is actually something we talked about on our previous episode, episode 42, Invincible on Amazon Prime is surprisingly good. I I mean, I feel kind of bad saying that, but I did not have high expectations when I first saw trailers for the show. However, Invincible is really freaking great. It is entertaining. The characters are great. There are lots of surprises. It's kind of like a lot of twists and turns. You really have no idea what's coming next. Um, plus, there's 150 like issues of comics for them to pull from for this TV series. Uh, they are hoping for a season two, but Invincible on Amazon Prime, they released the first three episodes last week and episode four came out this week. Uh, it is good. It is worth your time. It is interesting. It is violent it is but it is fun and the characters are interesting and the the commentary and the dialogue is so witty and just sort of snappy um it's it's just so much fun to watch so i'm i'm definitely digging invincible right now uh, i watched episode four not long before we recorded and i, I love the fact that he goes to mars and i, I, yeah. I won't say anymore but <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool so yeah Anyway, next week we are returning to monsters as yes. we cover as we cover the long-awaited. Unfortunately, unfo- well, unfortunately, we're gonna have to watch it on our TVs. It would have been amazing to see it at the theater, but yeah, Godzilla versus Kong, and we are going to cover Discovery of Witches season two. The Which whole, I'm the so whole excited season. about the the oh. first season of this show. Like, I love the first season of the uh, Discovery of Witches so much that I bought the book. <laughs> so I'm very much looking forward to talking Have about you season it? two. Have you uh, I got halfway through the book. It's a big book. Sorry. It is. It's a very large book. The book. The book kind of annoys me because there's so many scenes in the library, and I'm like, I get it. Like, you don't have to explain that she goes through the same process every time she goes to the library. Like, you explain it one time, and I understand it going forward. Um, so that's one thing that really annoys me about the book. It's like every time she goes to the library, we go through the entire sequence of how she checks out the books and how she talks to this person, and how she sits at the spot. And I'm like, oh, I know, I know how the library works. Like, can we just move on to the action part? Um, <laughs> so, but anyway, so. <laughs> I'm looking forward to watching the show. Yeah, season it. two is is fantastic so far. Um, and as a reminder, we did start a second podcast series where we do tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our fifth late to the party book club episode was March Volume One by Andrew Iden and John Lewis. That episode dropped in February. 
uh, our next book club episode is going to be uh, toward the end of April. It's going to be Akira Volume 1 by Katsuhiro Otomo. You can also follow us on social media. We're Geeks on Niche on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn. We are everywhere. So give us a five-star rating and tell your geeky friends. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Have a good week. Bye.